This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Fitz goes up and makes the game-winning catch! Larry Legend does it again! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby. How's that fail? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jarecki, and Bertrand Berry. Well, the finish line is in sight. There are still, though, several days before we reach that finish line, otherwise known as the 2021 NFL Draft. So there is still a lot of time for a lot of noise. And there is certainly a lot of noise out there, not just about the Arizona Cardinals, but the entire draft and draft process. What do you believe? As I put it, you hear everything, believe nothing. At least that's just my own opinion. Gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Yes, the draft B train right around the corner. Now, i got to ask you this. When you played, obviously everyone in college wants to hear their name called. You coming out of Notre Dame, you got that honor bestowed upon you. But once you were in the league, did you pay attention to the draft? Because these were guys that were coming in, to borrow a phrase, to take your job. Well, you watch with a side eye because you know these guys are being drafted to replace you. And every year you're going to have to fight to maintain your job status and, and maintain that job security. So you kept one eye on them and, and the other one was kind of rolling like, all right, uh, this is the guy I'm going to have to beat out yet again. So there's there's always mixed emotions when veterans watch the draft because they understand the nature of the business. And when we were drafted, I was there to take some – some older veteran spot. So uh, if it happened to them, then most certainly it's going to happen to me. So we all understand and, and we all act accordingly. Side eye. I like that. Bertram Berry, the third round pick, number 86 overall back in, well, I'll just say it was the late 90s. I don't want to date B train here on the show, but uh, yes, he did come out of Notre Dame and had a stellar NFL career. Now he is with us here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report and the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. MJ, I know you're excited, yet there is, you, you got to be patient because, you know, a lot still can change between now and next Thursday. Yeah, I mean, it's at the end of the day, I mean, I can admit, I you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you can just study this stuff. You can try to talk to people and, you know, connect dots. But at the end of the day, I mean, teams are not telling, you know, anybody on the outside who they're going to draft. So you just uh, – you look at the draft and, you know, you start looking at, you know, how many quarterbacks are going to go, how many wide receivers, how many corners, how many offensive linemen, and that's going to dictate, you know, who's on the board when the Cardinals are picking at 16, whether they move up or down. Speaking of that board, it is up in the words of Cardinals Director of Player Personnel, Drew Grigson. The board is up, um, and we feel good right now. Uh, there'll, there'll be some minor massaging, and, and uh, we still have to do a medical meeting. Obviously, that's going to be a big piece to it. That affects your board greatly, but in terms of ability, it's up, and we feel good about it, and we feel confident about it. 
Now, he wouldn't get into specifics, MJ, exactly what the port looks like, but we do have at least a little bit of a window into the Cardinals' draft room that, yes, a lot of the work has already been done, and now it's just, hey, if something happens between now and then, something unexpected, and certainly the medical plays a big part of that. Yeah, and you got to think that medical stuff will get done at some point throughout the course of the week, and... You know, I would think if you're a team that, you know, has X amount of picks and you're looking to move up or down, you start fielding calls right now or you start making calls because you're not going to tip your hand who you're going to draft, but you want to make sure you have a trade partner in place if this comes to fruition. Everyone says, well, trade down. Well, you need a trade partner. And who are they moving up for? The same player you want. So, you know, a lot of moving pieces, but, uh, you know, I think the Cardinals have done their due diligence, and, you know, nice to see Drew Grigson get that promotion. Um, he's been with the organization 13 years now, Quentin Harris and Adrian Wilson and Steve Kime, but they – uh, they have a plan. Now it's a matter of how is it going to be executed. You want to be prepared. And B-Train, going back to your playing days, even before you enter the National Football League, it's all about the prep work and making sure that you are ready for game day. Well, for front offices, game day is draft night. And it's not just that Thursday, but Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But this is a much different preparation than perhaps any other year. And I would even go back to last year as well. And that's because no scouting scouting combine very little pro days and just the limited information out there about these draft prospects is going to make i think maybe for some interesting discussions the day of the draft and in the days and weeks afterwards well i really believe that there's going to be a little bit of a of an adjustment to how these teams are going to go about drafting certain players and 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 making trades i think you're going to see a lot of teams uncertain about their status and where they sit. And I think you'll see even more trades than what we've seen in years past because you just don't know. And I think trust has to be – it's one of those words that's kind of relative. When you start talking about draft day and, and uh, draft week and, and, and bringing in players and, and who you believe a certain team is going to be interested in, you just don't know. So you have to kind of play the game, and, and you really have to rely on your scouting department to really come through especially under circumstances like we've seen the last two years where you don't have the combine, you don't have the opportunity to see a lot of these young men up close and personal. But in my mind, the film is really the best indicator of what kind of player they're going to be anyway. You know, what's going to be interesting is, is, is you know, you look at some of the top 50 players and, you know, you look at the paragraph and at the end it says they opted out. So they haven't played football since 2019, and you can work out, but we know you got to get into football shape. So I wonder if you know some of these opt-out guys are going to be more as a red shirt because they haven't played football in a while. So it'd be interesting to see what they think about opt-out guys and the guys. And we know that you know only a certain amount of teams played a full schedule. Some teams only played a few games, and Trey Lance only played one game. So I'm curious to see how the opt-out guys that's going to affect their draft status because. They not, may not be ready to play right away. On that point, B-Train, you brought up the film, but for some of these guys and many of those top prospects, the f- latest film is 2019, and it is very hard to pick up this game and just say it's like riding a bike because, you know, you know, it's not that easy. And some of these guys, it's going to be 500, 550-plus days between games that they've played, and all of a sudden you've got teams trusting them with the first round or a day two pick and then hoping that they come in and contribute 
Well, there's always two ways to look at that, Craig. And, and to me, I look at it from a player's perspective of there's that much less wear and tear. When you had another year in college, that means you had another opportunity to get yourself hurt. And, and guys that opted out don't necessarily have the same wear and tear that, that guys that opted in have on their body. So you have a year less of, of, of attrition on your body. So in, in, in certain thoughts, you, you may be able to, to get much more production out of this guy because his body hasn't been through the rigors of another brutal college season. So it's always two ways to look at it. I tend to go towards the players, if you will, but I just think for those guys that opted out, they made a decision that was best for them and their situation, and I don't know if that's necessarily fair to hold that against them because they felt a certain way about something that affected all of us. And to me, there was no wrong answer. And, and to again, you look at the last time they played, what were they able to do and what type of competition were they going up against? That's going to be the best indicator of what type of player you're going to be getting. Now, you look at the Buccaneers briefly here. They, they have all 22 starters returning. Jason Light's come out and said, we have eight draft picks, and we're going to look at a lot of opt-out guys, and we're going to hopefully redshirt them where they don't have to play this year because we know that these guys need to get on the practice field. We know they need to preseason games. Now, that's a luxury. they got all 22 starters back. The Cardinals are trying to fill some other holes in this draft, so each team is a little bit different. But Jason Light did say we will look at a lot of opt-out guys and develop them like all these players should be developed over uh, you know, the first couple of years. And it's all part of that information process, the film, the interviews, knowing what you are getting when you you know, select these players no matter when it is, whether that's Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. So a lot of work needing to get done in a different manner this year for a lot of scouts, something Drew Grigson brought up when he was a guest on the Big Red Rage last week. The amount of information that we did gather this year not making visits is it's astounding um I, I credit our scouting staff for doing that because i mean they were scouting from their offices at home from their kitchens from mm. the basements and um and we we pulled in quite a bit of information didn't have a chance to interview the guys in person so what uh, quentin harris and i did is we put together um basically a combined style interview process that we that we did from the draft room mm. so instead of having players brought in in front of us one by one we did it over zoom so you take all of this information, and the media does it, fans love it, and then you try to guess because that's what this is. It's a big guessing game, and now what you hear is mock drafts, and this has gone all the way back since the end of the season. It was early January. I think the first mock was released as far as the top picks in that first round. Where do you stand, B-Train? Do you, do you pay attention? Are there some, and there's some that you just ignore as far as when you're trying to figure out who might be available when the Cardinals select at number 16? I think you just have to put in your own work. You have to look at the layout of, of, of the draft and, and how the first couple picks are, are going to go. If they go according to everybody's draft board, then it should remain true to form. But there's always going to be that one wild card. There's always going to be that team that, that goes against the grain and does something that nobody expected. And, and once that happens, then that's when the real draft begins. I don't expect there to be very many surprises in the top 10. I think those players have earned that right to, to be top 10 players. But then if you see someone 11 through 20 that wasn't supposed to be in there and, and a guy that wasn't on a lot of people's board, then you start to see teams 
change course and, and start looking at best player available. And, and to me, that's always been the most effective way to draft. If, if you have a, a need or, or you see a, a guy that is really talented and can help your team, then I think you bring him on board. And when you start drafting for need, uh, that's when you find yourself unemployed years later. Yeah, you don't want to leave talent on the board, even if you think it's not a position that you really need at the moment because general managers and scouts, MJ, you're looking at the big picture. It's two, three years down the road. Head coaches, assistant coaches, they're like, hey, I need someone that can help me right now. I do think if you – let's say you have player A and player B and they have a similar grade, I would think you would lean with the knee player. Like let's say the Cardinals have a grade on a wide receiver versus a corner. Now, both are needs, but more pressing, you still you have A.J. Green, but you're trying to find another corner depending on Alford. So I do think if you have a same grade on player A and B, I, I think teams have a tendency to lean with the need part. If you Like for an example, last year, you know, do we think Isaiah Simmons was going to be there at eight based on all the hype? Well, it's going to help every team that's picking in the teens here. If four or five quarterbacks go off the board in the top 12 picks, you're going to have a couple corners. So now who's sitting there at 16? But I think if you have two players that are identical, maybe a little bit higher grade, I think teams will lean with the need part. And that scenario that you just played as far as the number of quarterbacks, it's at the first three picks, first four picks, are five quarterbacks off the board amongst the first ten selections. It's that big guessing game that we play with mock drafts, and yes, the Cardinals do as well. What we try to do is just try to create as many scenarios as possible before we get to our pick, whether it's trades or whether it's, you know, uh, you know a, a guy that no one in the room thinks would go before. Just So when we get to our pick, okay, and here's the guys left, now what are we going to do? Can we, should we trade back here? Um, we take this guy. So we do that every year. Now it's what they do, but they probably don't follow as far as what maybe uh, Mel Kuyper or a Daniel Jeremiah is writing about on ESPN and NFL.com, but as Grigson said, it's that process that you have to play out because you want to be ready. It goes back to what we started this segment on, the preparation, knowing what to expect so you're not surprised, though to your point, B-Train, there's always that one guy every single year that always seems to slip and quote-unquote drop. At least that's the perception. Now, whether that's the reality as far as the teams viewing that particular player or players, that's always something to be left you know, and discussed after the fact. But when we talk about the Cardinals in number 16, corner, wide receiver. Is there another position that maybe this team should look to address, depending on whether that's best player available at number 16? No, th- th- those are the two positions. And I would even say the Cardinals should go and be more aggressive this year. I think uh, when you start talking about generational type players, there are a few cornerbacks that are at the top of the list that you really should go and get if you're, you're really trying to feel that need right now. I understand that you want to have best player available and you have a, a system that you want to pretty much stick to. But if you really believe that this guy gives you a great chance to improve your status as, as a defense or as, a, as, a, as an offense, I really believe you've got to be aggressive and you got to go get him. You can't afford to wait because that, that in itself is, is uh, one of those traits that I, I think can, can, can really cost you down the road. So if there's somebody that, that you really feel can be a 10-year starter that you could just plug in and play right now, I don't have any problem with them being aggressive and moving up the board 
a few spots to go get him and, and assure that position for a few years. And the guy that you mentioned in the past, Patrick Sertain, I think he's going to be the first corner off the board, whether it's in the top 10, 11, or 12. And then Jay, uh, J.C. Horn. J.C. Horn, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I think those are the top two corners. Then what are your thoughts on Fairley and then Greg Newsom? So, um, but to me, if there's a guy you want to move up for, it would be Sertan. I just, you know, I don't know what the price would be. But if, if, if a wide receiver gets to the teens, 12, 13, well, 13, 14, and it's Jalen Waddle, I would try, definitely try to move up and get him. And that's all part of the discussions that are happening and maybe even happening as we speak as it pertains to the Cardinals and what they may or may not do with that 16th overall pick. More insights in what the Cardinals are looking to do as they prepare for the 2021 NFL Draft. That's straight ahead here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Where are you guys right now in the draft process? Have you already stood on the table, Drew? Have you stood on the table and had it out? Have you had those meetings yet? The, the shoe prints are on the table, Wolf. They're, they're, <laughs> they're there. Last week on the Big Red Rage, Director of Player Personnel, Drew, Gig- Drew Grigson, easy enough for me to say, joining Ron Wolfley and Paul Calvisi talking about those discussions that sometimes maybe get a little heated. We know, B-Train, that if you were in that draft room here getting ready for 2021, there is one player that you would stand on the table. You have made no bones about it. Alabama cornerback Patrick Sertan is the guy that you want to see the Cardinals select, and that would require, we think, potentially moving up. But is there someone else that you have an eye on? Because as an edge rusher, I mean, I would think you'd have to have an inkling on some of those defensive linemen or maybe an outside linebacker as well. Honestly, I'm thinking about the Cardinals, and I don't necessarily pay attention to a lot of the defensive linemen coming out because I think the Cardinals are pretty good at that position thus far as as far as the team is concerned. So I'm just looking at how this team can get better and, and, and positions of need. And, and I put a lot of energy, Craig, honestly, into cornerback. Now, obviously, Horn is, is another solid cornerback. Uh, but once you lock in and, and you really look at, at what Patrick has done, Sertan has done uh, in his career, yeah, he started off uh, a little shaky, but I think his last two years have been stellar. And the fact that he comes from a uh, a family uh, and his dad being an all-pro cornerback, same position, he's he's grown up in locker room. So you know, from a maturity standpoint, it's not going to be too big for him. And and looking at the other positions, yeah, there are some 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 talented pass rushers out there. Uh, but to me, I, I just I focus in on what the Cardinals need right now. And, and to me, I'm just locked in on on Patrick. And I'm right there with you as far as the position, cornerback. Now, as far as which player, you know, that's I think that's for people that are a little bit, you know, that's their knowledge as far as looking at the tape. And then obviously what we see on television is different than what some people see on the All-22. And then, of course, when you get a chance to sit down even over Zoom and speak with these players, then that's also a part of this process, making sure not only you're getting a good player but a good person as well that you can count on to be a available on Sundays and as you look at this draft MJ is there someone that 
I wouldn't say you've fallen in love with because you can't because if that player's not there, you then you get disappointed in then who you might end up with. But are there a couple of guys here that, is, as Grigson said, would you stand on the table and, 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 and have that heated discussion, if you will, that debate with general manager Steve Kime? I was standing on the table for Jalen Waddle, but I'll give you a few other names. Uh, Mika Parsons, Penn State. You know, he's probably going to give the first linebacker off the board. I mean, I've seen him going to the Patriots somewhere in the, in the teens. And, again, it's not it's not a position of need, but he can never have enough linebackers. And you start looking at a guy like Jordan uh, Hicks, you know, he's been the team captain. He's played a ton of snaps. you got Isaiah Simmons there, so you're looking at the future. Of course, Hicks is under contract, I think, at least another year. So um, Micah Parsons sticks out to me from Penn State. And another guy – Christian Barmore from Alabama. He's an all-around great interior defensive lineman prospect. He's 6'4", 310, 34.5-inch arms. I mean, he's got the body type now. You already have Zach Allen. You already have J.J. Watt. You're already bringing back Jordan Phillips. You used mid-round picks last year on Richard Lawrence and Lecky Fotu. So, again, that's more of a luxury. But J.J. Watt's under contract a couple more years. Phillips got to play better, and Zach Allen played 14 games. So I look at Christian Barmore and then Micah Parsons. Again, I don't know. I know Barmore will be there. Barmore will be there. I don't know if uh, Parsons would be there. Yeah, and it's it's a lot more difficult when you're picking in 16th, the middle of the draft yeah. as opposed to having a top five pick, and everyone gets excited about a top five pick. But that means you know you had a bad season the year before. B train. When you look at number sixteen, I, I know you'd like to see the Cardinals move up. If they stay put, is it cornerback, 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 and nothing else for you if you are on the clock at number sixteen? No, I'm not just cornerback, cornerback, cornerback. If there is quality there and if there's somebody deserving of the 16th overall pick, because you don't want to reach on a player just because he is a position of need. So I'm not a believer of that at all. But I think if you have a a player that that really jumps off the screen to you and and doing your evaluation, he's a player that that could really help any team, then I think you have to go in and, and get value for that pick. 16 is not a bad pick when you start talking about the overall draft. That means that that player is probably going to come in and be a day one starter. So you have to make sure that you use that pick on a player that that you feel good about. You could plug in and have him be a contributor to your team right away. And whether we're talking about receiver, we're talking about cornerback, or we're talking about offensive lineman, I I don't know what what that's going to be. I'm not in those meetings, but if that player fits that, that, that type of, uh, consideration at that position, at that at that number, then I think you have to do what's best for your team long term, and and lock that guy up because you also could use that fifth year option on that first round pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, you look at Elijah Vera Tucker. I mean, if the Cardinals, he's he played left tackle at USC. Um, Cliff Kingsbury was there for a short time. You got Graham Harold was the offensive coordinator, so the Cardinals would have intel there. You look at Justin Pugh, um, you know, getting up there in age, depending on what happens at right guard. But here's a guy that may not play right away, but he had competition, and you got that spot for the next couple of years. So I think Vera Tucker is, is definitely an option at number 16, and he could be there if a couple tackles come off the board, Slater and, and uh, uh, Penny uh, Sewell. And then all of a sudden I think he's the next guy. So it'd be interesting, but I think they're going to have some flexibility. Um, now it's just a matter of, and again, some of these corners and wide receivers, they have return skills. 
Jalen Waddle, he can return punts. I mean, so that's one area where the Cardinals want to improve on. They haven't been able to, you know, gain positive yards on punt returns and kickoff returns. So even if you're the third or fourth wide receiver or third or fourth corner, you're going to dress on game day. So the Cardinals are looking at one of these guys also that can have return skills. You have these discussions as far as whether it's a corner, a wide receiver, offensive lineman, maybe even linebacker, and that's what these meetings that the Cardinals and every team has right now and probably leading into the draft and trying to figure out what is the best move for the Cardinals at number 16. Drew Grigson on how the Cardinals are handling that. I think we do a great job of keeping it professional and and you could still be convicted and strong with your opinion and still, you know, again, be professional in, in right. doing it. Right. And if I feel that it's going the wrong way, I I say, you know, gentlemen, let's let's calm down a little bit and, you know, let's but but yes, and you want that. You want your your scouts to be excited about a guy. You want them to have conviction about him one way or another um because that's how you hit on a player and that's how you miss on a player if you're not listening to those guys because like I said, sometimes those guys are are doing 3 years of work on those guys. It's fascinating to be involved and just to fly on the wall on those discussions because at the end of the day mj you you know when you meet the media it everyone has to be on board yeah you might be disappointed they didn't get my guy as a scout but to grigson's point you want scouts to have conviction in whom they've looked at and evaluated and say this is who we should pick and then obviously it comes down to one man's decision and that's steve kind yeah, they put the work in, 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 and again, these guys do do all the grunt work. They get all the information. They do background checks. They talk to the strength coach. They go back to the high school coach. I mean, there's a lot of um, time spent on just learning the person and the player. We know that the Cardinals have a way when it comes to the Cardinal way when it comes to drafting. So, yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, they do they do the heavy lifting, and then obviously it goes to a different level, but they're still involved in the process. And they know more about these players until the the, the front office starts watching more film. But for the most part, you got that's the reason why you hire them. You trust their judgment. And, and obviously some guys are probably better than others, depending on the region. If you're covering the SEC, you're going to have more players than maybe the Pac-12. So, um, they put the work in, and now you know they're hoping that you know they'll take it, uh, their advice, and hopefully they'll draft some of their players. The two positions that have most often been linked to the Cardinals at 16: corner and wide receiver. And in both categories, there's three players, there's three prospects at those positions that we often talk about. And then there's a varying degree of whether one guy is better than another, or would be better fits in a certain defense or offense. So when you have those discussions drew grigson again on how those discussions lead to well what do you do if you have two players that you both like how do you decide on which guy becomes an arizona cardinal player if we're setting the board and, and a guys are we're looking at two players and, and they're close in ability grade those guys that are the alphas that are the, the guys that are top that we feel are a football character guys they're going to go above the other guy and that's how we break the tie on a lot of guys and we're going to keep filling our locker room with those guys and when things start to fall apart, you know, those are the guys that hold it together. Leaders, B-Train, you want leaders in the locker room. That was what I took away from what Drew Grigson had to say on the Big Red Rage. Yeah, you want leaders, but you also want playmakers. You can have guys that can talk a great talk, but if they can't go out there and help your team win, they're not going to be much help to you, and they're not going to give you much job security. So when I look at 16, you're, you're not where you want to be as far as you weren't the worst team and you definitely weren't the best team. So there's no position that should be off the table as far as consideration for that pick. If there's somebody there that 
has fallen or has come your way, I don't like to say fallen because if you're a 16th pick overall, you're still pretty dang good. But if you have a player come to you at 16 and you feel good about this guy and you've done all the research that you could possibly do and, and all the scouts have pretty much conceded that he is value at that pick, then I you you turn that in and you feel good about it. And, and you want to make sure that these guys, one, are, are good people, but then you want to make sure that they can actually go out and help you win ball games because – you can have all the great people you want in the world, but if they're not helping you win ball games, you're going to be finding yourself trying to do this uh, somewhere else. It's most definitely not where you are right now. Here with the and the most important part right there, MJ, is making sure that they are contributing and aren't just sitting and watching. And sometimes that happens just based off on how long it takes you to make that transition from college to the NFL. But you want guys that you hope are ready week one. Well, and again, you got to find out what's between the ears and what's in the chest. I mean, the Cardinals interviewed Robert Candici four different times, and I know Steve would not take uh, talent over character anymore. So they've changed their process just based on you know meeting with him, and it didn't pan out, and you learn from it. Bird Gang, if you haven't already, we invite you to update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The app features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. We've had halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Reports. More draft discussion plus some player movement. We'll get into that next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Hodges gets the shotgun snap, gives it to Connor, sweeps the left side, got a block at the 10, Connor to the 5, Connor to the goal line and in for the touchdown. James Connor sweeping the left side, takes it in from 12 yards out. Hodges will throw to Connor out of the backfield, makes a man miss, and it's at the 20. Connor down the sideline to the 10, and he's going to walk it in for the touchdown. The most recent addition to the Arizona Cardinals, in fact, one week ago today, James Connor, the former Pittsburgh Steeler running back, joining the Cardinals to team up with Chase Edmonds in that backfield. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Craig Riola, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry, a former third-round pick in 2017. Connor turns 26 next month. Four seasons with the Steelers. His best season, though, came when James Saxon was his running backs coach in 2018. Once again, James Saxon will be Connor's running backs coach with the Arizona Cardinals. B-Train, as you look at this move and specifically how he fits with an Edmonds in that backfield, pros, cons, what do you like about James Connor and the fact that out of the other interesting nuggets about him, he is the, uh, he's the, he's the youngest of the newest additions, if you will, because most of these players that have been added in free agency are in their 30s or about to be 30. I love the toughness aspect of James Conner. I love the story, the backstory, how he overcame cancer in college, and, and he was able to parlay that into a, a role uh, with the Steelers, making it to a Pro Bowl, having that, that opportunity to play when everything was going on down there with Le'Veon Bell, and, and he took advantage of his opportunities, and, and he's made himself into a very formidable back. I think the, the, the toughness that he brings is going to be just what this offense needs. And I think he, uh, along with another running back, is, is going to be the formula for success for this team because I think if you really want to run the ball, you're going to need a guy that can get those tough yards and, and fight for those, uh, those, those much-needed yards that, that, that get lost sometimes in, in the stats. 
So he's a, a veteran. He's a guy that, that is going to be that, that calming voice, if you will, and, and has been through a lot already from a, a, a life experience and football experience. So I think anytime you add a player like James Conner, you, you definitely add value to your team. I couldn't agree more. In, in B-Train, he talked about, you know, spending four years at Pittsburgh and then, you know, obviously he spent another four years with the Steelers uh, concerning he went to college there. And you could see he's kind of hitting the reset button, kind of similar to what we heard from A.J. Green and, and J.J. Watt. Just talk about change of scenery. We know the weather. We know they play on one of the best uh, surfaces in the NFL, if not the best. But change of scenery, it looks like he was motivated to come out here. Well, speaking of change of scenery, I came here in 2004 once upon a time coming from Denver, and, and it gave me an opportunity to reinvent myself because I was kind of looked at as just a off-the-street free agent in Denver, and I was really never going to elevate above that. So when I came here as a highly touted free agent, I was looked at different, and there were different expectations, and I think that helped me tremendously. I was able to blossom into the player that I became, and, and in the first year, we all know what happened. So sometimes you just need that 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 different perspective if you will and and have a different set of eyes on you and a different set of expectations for you to to really uh, come into your own and 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 really blossom into the player you were always meant to be and i think for james connor i don't i don't know what the situation was but i think this gives him a fresh start and he seems like the type of individual that really takes advantage of the opportunities given to him and i think he's going to go out and do everything he can to try to help his team win Quoting Connor, I just felt right place, right time. And then he later added, I feel brand new about joining the Cardinals after eight years in Pittsburgh. Of course, four seasons with the Steelers and then four years at the University of Pittsburgh. He has not been outside the state of Pennsylvania, at least as far as playing football is concerned. So to your point, MJ, he's joining a lot of players that have been you know, 10 seasons with the Texans, uh, A.J. Green with the Bengals. And it's, you know, you J.J. Watt, guys that maybe just at this point in their careers need a little bit of a reset. The other thing with Connor is he's joining a backfield where Chase Edmonds is the guy. If you listen to Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, they've made no secret that they believe that Edmonds can be a starter, a number one running back. Well, now you add Connor, who has starting experience, but he's also had the ability to share the backfield a little bit. Before we get your thoughts there, B-Tran and MJ, here is Cardinals Director of Player personnel last week on the big red rage drew grigson talking about connor and edmonds as far as their ability in the backfield together big back with outstanding feet that could catch the ball that's going to be great on third down that can block and he's going to be good in short yardage and goal line situations he's tough and i just think he adds a great you know one-two punch uh, with chase edmonds with his skill set so you know a little thunder and lightning i think i think it's going to be a good mix We've heard that a lot over the years in the National Football League, even on the, on the college front as far as that thunder and lightning. The difference is in running backs. But, MJ, could we see both of these backs on the field at the same time? Well, they both can catch the ball in the backfield. I mean, if you watch a lot of the Steelers games when they're on national TV, he was the, you know, the safety net or safety valve for Ben Roethlisberger, who holds the ball. Um, I think Chase Edmonds is a little bit more fluid in the open field. Um just maybe age-wise, but for the most part, I mean, he's only a year younger. But, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you want to get your playmakers on the field. But I, I couldn't agree more with Bertrand and Drew Grigson. I mean, let's talk about third and two. Let's talk about fourth and one. 
where you know you didn't want to put Murray under under center and you can run the RPOs, you can run the zone reads, you can run the pistol, but now you just line up and run the football. And, and, and again, you look at the interior with the addition of Rodney Hudson, this is what they want to do. I think there's a little bit of change in, in philosophy when it comes to what this team wants to be uh, for the upcoming season. I think they want to be more physical at the line of scrimmage, and this is the perfect back. I like the one-two punch, whether it's thunder and lightning, but I, I do think uh, they've upgraded the position by bringing in Connor. And that was the first word that you used when I asked you about James Connor B. Train, the physicality on this. Six foot one, 233 pounds, not afraid to get hit, not afraid to run between the tackles. Not afraid to block as well. And when you start talking about this offense and, and if Kyler's going to put the ball in the air, you need that running back to be a guy that can come and help earn protection. And you can't expect just the five offensive linemen to always withstand that onslaught of whatever blitz or, or rush that the defense is throwing at you. If you can have that running back sometimes be able to pick up that, that extra blitzer and give Kyler that kind of time where he doesn't have to move and, and do all the things that we know Kyler can do, then that's another added asset to it as well. And, and I think you start talking about toughness. Toughness and blocking goes a long way as, as far as being a, a complete player. And, and I think James Conner is definitely going to bring that to the table for the Cardinals. And toughness and what he is owed to overcome in his life, battling cancer, something Grigson talked about with Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley last week. I was a big fan of James coming out and, you know, his, you know, obviously what he went through medically, his story starts there and, and what he came back from, that tells you about who he is as a person um, and how he's able to bounce back. I mean, I, I, I can't even get out, in and out of my car day to day. You know, my back hurts so bad and this guy's beating cancer and, and you know, uh, mm. going to Pro Bowl. So that's where it starts. And again, we've added a lot of pieces uh, in free agency of men, of leaders, of alphas, and that's what we want to keep doing. Cardinals now will look to do that in the draft. One other note as far as the roster is concerned since our last show, Dennis Gardeck, Ezekiel Turner, and Kylie Fitz have all signed their one-year tenders, and those three players, not household names, but certainly huge on special teams, and with the loss of uh, Blanken on uh, Trent Sherfield, there we go, um, you needed to bring back those other three players as far as shoring up special teams because we know how valuable that is within that Cardinals coaching staff. Now, when you look at the draft, as we talked about in our first half of the show, wide receiver and cornerback, very deep. But are there other positions that the Cardinals believe that they can get someone, maybe not in the first round, but day two or day three? More from Drew Grigson in his conversation last week on the Big Red Rage. Where do you see the most depth and which positions in this draft? Something I never say, pass rusher. It's a very interesting draft for pass rusher, for inside linebacker. You know, usually it's receiver it, just because there's so many bodies, and it's never pass rusher. Now, I don't think it's as deep up top, but it's like the second, third round. It's going to get real interesting. There's a lot of talented guys. They're going to fly off the board. It's, there's going to be a run from them at some point because they're, it's, a, it's a very, very good group. Sure, that's music to your ears there, B-Train. Pass rusher, something that I don't think has been talked a lot about because in Grigson's words, it's the top guys, and maybe they're not top-tier guys, but when you look at the overall depth of edge rushers in this 2021 draft prospect class, yes, it is very deep. Yeah, go ahead and get you one. You, you don't have to spend the first round on the pass rusher, but you can never have too many good pass rushers and guys that can get after the quarterback. And also keep in mind that once you start getting into the later round, special teams is going to be a part of their role here with the Arizona Cardinals. 
You don't necessarily draft all of these young men to come in and be starters. You sometimes draft these young men to come in and help with special teams, and hopefully they'll develop in time and become a starter to some degree. But when you start talking about special teams, you need athletic guys that can do a lot of different things. And and pass rushers, I'll toot my own horn a little bit. You know, those guys are pretty athletic. They can do some things. They, they're, they're not just one-trick ponies, and so they can go down and, and make a tackle on kickoff or, or block somebody on kickoff return, punt, punt return. So those, those guys are, are much more versatile than some people may give them credit for, and they're going to need that versatility when you start talking about filling out the roster from a special team standpoint. And you can find very capable edge rushers, specifically in the third round, maybe around you know the, the the eighty to ninety range overall, because that's where Bertram Berry landed and certainly had an outstanding career in the National Football League. But B train the Cardinals, when you look at that range, uh, they have one pick in the second round, forty ninth overall, and then not another pick until the fifth round, one hundred and sixty overall. So if they want to get an edge rusher, and if it is that deep it might have to be at number 49. I don't know if it's deep enough to where you're getting one in the fifth or sixth round. I really believe that that's a good quality pick. When you start talking about 49, I think you can go pass rusher there because it's an important position. When you think about the importance of, of getting after the quarterback in today's NFL, the quarterback has a lot of responsibility put on him, and you need people to go in and, and try to make his life a living hell for 60 minutes. So you don't want that quarterback to ever feel comfortable if it's not your own. And pass rushers are, are guys that are definitely there, and, and I think there's value at 49 for a pass rusher because what they're asked to do is a very important job. So I don't have any problem with them spending a, 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 a pick at 49 on a pass rusher because I do believe there's great value at that spot for a player at that position. And you look at it, you know, retaining Marcus Golden, uh, Chandler Jones on the final year of his contract. Devin Kennard is still on the roster, and it looks like he's going to be on the roster. And then Dennis Gardeck, you know, we don't know when he's going to be available. I wouldn't root against him, but I assume that maybe he starts off on PUP. So, you, you know, you got to have some depth at that position. We know some guys can slide outside. Um, it seems like Isaiah Simmons could be an option there. We know that Vance will bring some blitzes off the edge. Um, but you do need to add some bodies at that position just based on injuries. Bert Gang, subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, and, of course, this show, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Never miss an episode. Go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. All right, Mr. J.J. Watt, Captain America, known in these parts. What I see is a guy who leads a lot now on just the things he's seen in life. His technique is impeccable. And you have to do that because Father Time is undefeated. It's funny, everybody in the NFL wanted J.J. Watt. Then Arizona blessed to get him. Oh, he's old, he can't play no more. This guy still can play football in the NFL, and he can play at a high level. 
Cardinals defensive line coach Brenson Buckner, a teaser for this week's debut of episode number one, season four of the Emmy Award-winning series Cardinals Flight Planet. Again, it premieres this Thursday, 7 p.m. via the Cardinals YouTube channel, taking behind-the-scenes Cardinals offseason thus far, free agency, draft prep. Just go to youtube.com slash Cardinals. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of the action and this is what I am most looking forward to B-Train because as we've seen in this teaser it's the assistant coach in fact this now the position coach talking about coach Buckner sitting in the film room if you will and dissecting tape I I love this access because it now gives Joe Fan and me and someone who didn't play the game or sometimes doesn't know exactly what to look for when you're watching the game, you just watch for enjoyment, but the details that these coaches look for and then, of course, what J.J. Watt has done throughout his entire career and you hope continues with the Arizona Cardinals, but getting the coaching perspective on why this J.J. Watt move was so good. And you get it from a coach that also played in the NFL for quite a long time, and and that makes Coach Bugner doubly qualified to know what he's talking about. When you actually did it at that level, and now you can coach the generation behind you, then it gives you that much more credibility to the players. It allows people to trust your opinion that much more because not to say that if you didn't play, you can't be trusted. But when you know a guy understands how it feels to be in that moment and to, to have that that feeling around him, uh, he, he's going to be speaking from experience and, and he's going to give you a little bit of, of information that you weren't quite necessarily used to, to having or, or having that perspective come from a coach like Coach Bugner. Yeah, I'm more apt to listen to a coach or a former player than I am, well, no offense, MJ, than you or I. <laughs> That's why uh, we have B-Train on the show. Exactly, and he, he brings it from a player's perspective. I can listen to Buck talk. I can listen to Van Joseph talk. It's, I mean, he's he heard it, and outside noise was this guy it doesn't have a lot in the tank, and he pops in the film, and he says, you're wrong. He picked Arizona. Cardinals Flight Plan premieres this Thursday at 7 p.m. We'll talk about it in one week's time right here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Special thanks to Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher for Bertram Berry, Mike Jarecki. I'm Craig Riolu. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Middle of the field of the end zone, Kirk, he got it. He's in, touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.